Shalom, everyone. <laughs> it's so good to finally be here. Thank you, Pastor Andrew, and to everyone here, um, that uh, we can be with you again uh, after a, quite a long while. Uh, it's a blessing to be with you. And um, thank you, co-pilot. You're doing great. <laughs> um, Celebrate Messiah, uh, of course, um, has turned just 21 a few weeks ago. So um, uh, in all of uh, the business of life, um, it's incredible. You know, uh, God has been gr gracious, as he is with all of us, uh, to, to be faithful in our witness for him, wherever we are. And so um, I've got a little map up here, <coughs> friends, uh, and uh, that is the map of the Jewish community here in, in Melbourne. Uh, Melbourne has the largest Jewish community in Australia, and uh, there's around uh, 65 to 70,000 Jews right here uh, in Melbourne. And uh, that little map that we have up there, <coughs> of course, uh, uh, gives you part of the Jewish community. It's not, it's not, not everything. There's, there's, there's more uh, in uh, the suburbs as well. But uh, the most heavily concentrated Jewish community is in that area. Uh, you have uh, the city of Melbourne, at the top there, and uh, you have Albert Park Lake, then you have the bay, and then of course you've got that red border over there. Uh, within that red border, there's more than 45 synagogues. <laughs> so there's, uh, there's quite a few uh, um, places of worship for Jewish people uh, here in Melbourne. And can you see an orange circle there, friends? Can you see that orange uh, circle there? That's where we are. <laughs> That's Celebrate Messiah, right in the midst of uh, the synagogues. And of course, um, what a, a blessing and what a privilege it is to serve the Lord uh, in the midst of the Jewish community as Messianic Jews, as Jews who have come to faith in Jesus as our Messiah. I came to faith in Jesus as my Messiah uh, just over 30 years ago and that was back in South Africa. So please don't hold that against me. <laughs> you can, you, we can talk about rugby and cricket, but <laughs> uh, we won't take it further than that. Um, you know, it's amazing, but um, what a, uh, I never ever thought, never ever dreamt would be here to work in the Jewish community. Um, I've been working as a missionary for a number of years um, with Celebrate Messiah over 14 years, but also before that as well. I've lived in Israel. <coughs> I've done work in Israel as a missionary uh, to my Jewish people. And uh, of course, the central message and the, the heart uh, of, of everything we share is the very love of God, the very love of God displayed in and through the cross. Um, you know, um, f that is uh, our way of escape, friends. Um, whether we are Jew or Gentile, our only way of escape is through the love of Jesus shown on the cross um, for us. Today we live in, a, in the midst of uh, fear. Uh, we live in the midst of uh, terror we live in the midst, uh, it seems like the, the world's in the, the grip of, um, of, of, of forces which just want to unleash all hell. 
And um, in the Jewish community, uh, we feel that very much the same as you do. In fact, sometimes it comes to us before it comes to you, which we don't always want. Um, I just uh, remind you about uh, God's wonderful promise, and that is, of course, to the nation of Israel, that there will always be a nation before him. And of course, we can see that uh, in the establishment of Israel as a nation again in 1948. Thank you, Father, that you are a God who is faithful to your promises. You know, so do you want to know if you can, you can rely and stand on the promise of God? Yes, you can. Just look to the nation of Israel and you'll see it right there before you today. So I encourage you with that. I encourage you also with this, uh, just looking at the map there, and uh, to pray for us, please, as we <clears throat> seek to share this wonderful message of God's love, that is Jesus, uh, to our Jewish people. You know, I was uh, riding down one of our streets um, where I live. Um, I, I live towards the top of that, uh, that map there, near, near Albert Park Lake there, and um, one of the streets I live off is Inkerman, Inkerman Street. Inkerman Street, and um, I uh, came to an intersection, and there was a group of young boys on this side, and opposite there was another uh, group of people on the other side with uh, cameras and with uh, video uh, taking, uh, you know, um, taking a film and so forth. And um, I looked at this group of boys who they were taking a film of, and it was a group of Jewish young boys. Um, uh, in, in their teens, uh, I'm not sure how old they were, but in their teens for sure, and they were carrying placards and dancing, and they were saying, honk, if you want the Messiah to come now. <laughs> Don't we all want that? Yes. We want Messiah to come now. <laughs> oh, what, a, what a blessing that would be. And, uh, you know, before I could... Um, I could uh, could do anything. Unfortunately, um, I had to move on because there were uh, at the traffic lights and there's cars behind me and so forth. But it again increased my, my burden in terms of for my people, the Jewish people, to be able to share this wonderful message of love. Jesus, our Messiah who died on the cross 2,000 years ago, who rose from the dead and who is coming back again <laughs> so, friends, um, I've got a little book table at the back there. If, uh, uh, the, the books are for sale, and um, the, uh, there's, there's a few newsletters there as well, which you can help yourself to. They're free, the newsletters. Um, uh, if you, uh, this, this one, this newsletter is our latest one. It says, Celebrating Israel's 68th Birthday. What a blessed moment that is. And um, so it should encourage you. Please help yourself to one of those. If you don't get the news that it's free, and uh, we'd love to give it to you uh, if you put your name down and so forth. So um, remember us in prayer. Uh, support us uh, if that is at all possible in your life. And I would ask you to remember, to, rem to remember uh, that uh, this gospel, uh, this wonderful love of God, because <laughs> that's the gospel, isn't it, uh, uh, has to go to all nations, right? Yes? Including the lost sheep of the house of Israel. <laughs> so don't forget, don't forget uh, in, uh, that we are, don't, don't give up on us. You know, God hasn't given up on us. 
even though we rejected Jesus as the Messiah, God hasn't given up on us. We are seeing Jewish people come to faith today. I can tell you a number of stories and, uh, that will encourage and bless your heart. So don't give up on us, and um, we are, are grateful again um, that we can be with you here today to encourage you. And so, friends, uh, this morning, uh, Pastor Andrew has uh, asked me to share uh, uh, what was on my heart, and there's a particular uh, message which is really uh, very close to my heart at this time, um, because there's so many, so many distractions uh, all around us as we look on the news and so forth and within our own communities. I believe we should now more than ever before be keeping our eyes fixed firmly upon Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. And this message I want to share with you is called Jesus, our Jewish rabbi. You may have heard of a celebrity Orthodox rabbi whose name is Rabbi Shmuli Bateach, or maybe not. <laughs> uh, however, he, he, the, the, I know, Michelle, that uh, uh, you, you, you know this gentleman, um, and probably Paul as well. But Shmuli was here a couple of months ago in Caulfield. Um, he, he is a celebrity uh, rabbi. Um, in other words, uh, he uh, is, a, is a rabbi for a few of the stars, like Madonna, for instance. Uh, and, uh, and, and, and others, and um, an interesting person. Uh, Shmuley uh, has uh, written uh, several books, um, and one of the books that he wrote uh, in 1999 uh, was called Kosher Sex. Uh, in 2012, he stirred the pot once again uh, with another book called Kosher Jesus, in this book, Rabbi Bateach endeavors to explore the Jewishness of Jesus. In his book, he speaks of Jesus as being a wise and learned rabbi who worked to rekindle Jewish ritual observance of every aspect of the Torah and to counter the brutal Roman occupation of his people's land. In an interview uh, about his book, he said the following, we in the Jewish community have a choice. We can either, as has happened for 2,000 years, allow the Christian community to teach us about the Christian Christ, or we can take the initiative and the responsibility of teaching the Christian community about the Jewish Jesus. He was a Jew, after all. And when he was interviewed on Israel's TV about his book, uh, Bateach said, there is a general movement on behalf of the world's Christians to rediscover the Jewishness of uh, Jesus because if you don't understand the Jewishness of Jesus, you cannot understand his humanity. I agree with much of what Rabbi Bateach um, says in his book, Kosher Jesus. I myself rediscovered the Jewishness of Jesus many years ago. As I grew up, I had no idea whatsoever that Jesus um, was, uh, was Jewish. 
As far as I was concerned, Jesus Christ was a Gentile God. I also thought that, uh, of Jesus that he was the founder of the Catholic religion. I also assumed that the New Testament was written by a bunch of Catholic boys. St. Paul, St. Peter, St. John, St. Matthew. I also had no idea that they were all, in fact, good Jewish boys. You can imagine my surprise... When I first read the New Testament, uh, Jesus spoke about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, continually quoted the Hebrew Scriptures, and recited the Shmas, saying that if was the most important commandment in the Bible. However, Rabbi uh, Shmuley Batach doesn't go far enough. Of course, he rejects the resurrection the divinity and the messiahship of Jesus, which I, of course, have come to believe with all of my heart. But I do believe that it is time for Christians to rediscover and fully embrace the Jewishness of Jesus. I believe that uh, this will also reinvigorate our spirituality and our call to be his followers, his disciples. I don't know if you heard of an author called Philip Yancey. Philip Yancey, in his book called uh, The Jesus I Never Knew, says that it is impossible to know Jesus apart from understanding his Jewish roots and the Jewish context that he was born into. Yancey says that in order to really understand Jesus as he was, is, we need to go back, way back, and picture Jesus as a first-century Jew with a phylactery on his wrist and Palestinian dust on his sandals. That Jesus was a Jewish rabbi is clear to see as you read the, the Gospels. Uh, first-century rabbis would often have disciples who would follow after them. The Hebrew word for disciple is Talmud, uh, and plural is Talmudim, which means a learner. Significant rabbis uh, would have rabbinic schools of disciples um, connected to both learning from uh, their rabbi and following his ways. Two famous rabbinical uh, schools of Jesus' day uh, was the school of Rabbi Hillel and Rabbi Shammai. Now, uh, you might remember Rabbi Shaul, uh, the Apostle Paul, received his rabbinical training through Rabbi Gamaliel, the great-grandson of Rabbi Hillel. These were men uh, who were very, very knowledgeable. Let's read from the Gospel of Matthew now, as we see Yeshua. So I'll be calling Jesus by his Hebrew name from now on, Yeshua. Here he is calling his disciples to follow him. And so I'm going to read from the complete Jewish Bible version. Matthew chapter 4, 
verses 18 to 22. As Yeshua walked by Lake Kinneret, he saw two brothers who were fishermen, Shimon, known as Kepha, and his brother Andrew, throwing their net into the lake. Yeshua said to them, Come after me and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and went with him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, Yaakov ben Zvedai and Yochanan, his brother, in the boat with their father Zvedai, repairing their nets. And he called them. At once they left the boat and their father and went with Yeshua. We'll continue in John chapter 1, verses uh, 35 to 39. Again, in the complete Jewish Bible, I'm reading. The next day, Yochanan was again standing with two of his Talmudim. On seeing Yeshua walking by, he said, Look, God's Lamb. His two Talmudim heard him speaking, and they followed Yeshua. Yeshua turned and saw them following him. And he said, uh, he asked them, what are you looking for? They said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, come and see. So they went and saw where he was staying and remained with him the rest of the day. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. I'm fascinated how these disciples were so drawn to Yeshua that they were willing to leave their livelihoods and to, to leave it you know, completely behind and follow him. And what a journey they went on. Preaching the kingdom of God and proclaiming the good news to Israel. But discipleship meant more than just learning information. Discipleship means drawing into a close, personal relationship with one's rabbi. Uh, This is beautifully uh, stated in the Talmud. When a disciple is called uh, to let your house be a meeting place for the rabbis and cover yourself in the dust of their feet and drink in their words thirstily. Cover yourself in the dust of your rabbi. What an amazing concept. The best disciples were the ones who stayed so close to their rabbi that they could take in every detail of their um, mentorship. This should be a fresh challenge today as we consider the call of Yeshua upon our lives. How how about us? Is our life covered with the dust of our rabbi Yeshua? Yeshua? 
and whom did Yeshua call as disciples? Did he go to the seminaries in Jerusalem? I've been to a few, by the way. <laughs> and I got the boot. <laughs> as soon as they um, knew I was a follower of Jesus, of Yeshua. No, he didn't go there. He sought out simple fishermen working for their living around the Sea of Galilee. Has anybody here been to Israel? There's a, there's a few of us, but not that many. Uh, Galilee is a very beautiful place. It's uh, a lake of fresh water. Uh, it's uh, Israel's source, uh, main source of water, uh, the Sea of Galilee. And uh, really beautiful, surrounded by lovely hills. And um, I guess if you had been there, then you would have gone on the lake, wouldn't you? Okay. Uh, it's, what an incredible experience. Because uh, that's exactly where Yeshua was. Uh, when those waves became so, so big. Those waves became so big. And uh, certainly in our day, we are seeing big waves again, aren't we? Um, so we certainly need to keep our eyes on, on, on the Lord. If you've never been to Israel, now's your time. Go on. Go. It's a wonderful, wonderful experience where you can embrace your Messiah, Jesus. I'm taking a group next year, so <laughs> ask me about it. Okay. But then think for a moment that these fishermen were not shocked um, uh, at all to hear Jesus' words because they were schooled in Torah, in the Bible. Um, you know, even though they weren't from the seminaries, they were still uh, pretty much um, schooled in the ways of, of um, the scriptures that we have. They would have had the mandatory training of any uh, Jewish boy growing up in ancient Israel. Yet Yeshua called the, uh, them the Am Haaretz, which is uh, just the people of the land. You know, the, the ordinary people, the salt of the earth, right? The common people who uh, are called to follow him. So, even though Yeshua may have been an itinerant rabbi from Nazareth, he was, however, a rabbi like no other. This is born out of several passages in the Gospels where Jesus taught like no other rabbi with authority and with power. The Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 to 7 and also verse 29, gives us a logical and clear presentation of Rabbi Yeshua's teachings. In the so-called Sermon on the Mount, Yeshua gives us his authoritative messianic interpretation of Torah, clarifying the true intent of God's law for all of Israel and those in the nations who will seek him. That his teaching was authoritative and powerful shouldn't be a surprise to us, as he was the very word of God made flesh. He, 
as the Messiah, had come to write God's uh, true Torah, his, his, his law, on our hearts through the Holy Spirit. The truth is clearly illustrated several times in the Sermon of, of the Mount, uh, where Jesus fo- follows a formula, formula when he contrasts rabbinical uh, tradition, which is known as Torah Baal Pei, in other words, oral Torah, so that's the spoken Torah, with the written word of God, which is Torah She Biktav. According to tradition, the oral law was passed down from Moses to Joshua, uh, to the 70 elders of Israel, to the prophets, and then the men of the great assembly, the Sanhedrin. In addition to this uh, oral uh, law, classical uh, rabbis uh, also developed a concept called the fence around the Torah. So... Uh, which is known as Seyach La Torah. So here you can see this is uh, the, the law, uh, the Torah, okay? Uh, you can see as, as, the, as the word of God, right? And around that is a fence. That's what classical rabbis have built today, a fence around the word of God, the, the, the law of God, so that we cannot transgress the law. So before we get there, we need to get through that fence. It's quite an incredible concept. In addition, uh, uh, we, uh, this idea is that if we set up a fence and uh, we don't break through uh, the, those boundaries, then we will certainly not break the actual commandments of God. So, in the Sermon on the Mount, Yeshua is directly addressing the misinterpretation of the oral law and the fence around the law. And uh, as the Messiah, the very Word of God made flesh, he's given the true intent of the law. In each case, he rejects the rabbinic traditions, reaffirms the authority of the Torah principle, and draws out its implications for those of the kingdom. And Yeshua does it all with an astounding messianic authority. Now, for example, in Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 to 22, and this is uh, in the NIV version, he says, You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, Do not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. Then he goes on, uh, again, Matthew chapter 5, verses 27 to 28. He says, You have heard that it was said, Do not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And again, in Matthew chapter 5, verses 38 to 39, he says, You have heard that it was said, eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth, but I tell you, do not resist an evil person, If someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him 
the other also. And so you can see the formulae that uh, Yeshua uses. You have heard that it was said. So that is the oral tradition. But I tell you, Yeshua's authoritative interpretation of God's word. There you have it right there. Rabbis um, do not normally teach on their own authority. The common practice among the rabbis of the Mishnaic uh, period, that is from 10 to 220 uh, CE, was to appeal to the authority of previous teachers. If one expected uh, to present a weighty argument, he would need to support it with other uh, authorities. In the Talmud, the phrase Tanu Rabbanan, our rabbis taught, is often used in uh, such cases. Now, uh, frequently, there would be a direct reference to rabbinic scholars. For example, Rabbi Joshua said in the name of Rabbi Akiva, any rabbi worth his salt would have a significant number of sources behind his teaching in order to establish strong authority. However, Yeshua never quoted any other rabbi. Yeshua taught on his own messianic authority, saying, but I tell you, It was apparent that Yeshua as the Messiah was the very word of God made flesh. He did not need extra authority. Indeed, uh, we could, uh, he could teach uh, as one who had authority himself. The holy, the holy Messiah sent directly from Avinu Malkenu, our father and king. As supreme rabbi um, and messiah, the very word of God made flesh, Yeshua uh, gives us the true intent of God's law, drawing out practical implications for those who would be his disciples and subjects of the kingdom of God. Uh, that the people notice the difference between Yeshua's teaching and the rabbis of his day can be seen in several passages in uh, the Gospels. For example, in Matthew Chapter 7, verses 28 to 29, I'm going to read again in the complete Jewish Bible. This is what um, Yeshua, uh, we, we see uh, happening here at Yeshua's time. When Yeshua had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at the way he taught, for he was not instructing them like their Torah teachers, but as one who had authority himself. Not only did Yeshua, our rabbi, teach with authority, but also as the Messiah, his teaching was followed by miracles. Let's see in Matthew chapter 4, verses 23 to 25. Again, reading from the complete Jewish Bible. Yeshua went all over the Galil teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing people from every kind of disease and sickness. Word of him spread throughout all Syria. That should uh, grab your attention right here this morning. 
And people brought to him all who were ill, suffering from various diseases and pains, and those held in the power of demons and epileptics and paralytics. He healed them. Huge crowds followed him from the Galil, the ten towns, Yerushalayim, Yehuda, and Ever Ha Yarden. Yeshua went all over the Galilee, preaching in the synagogues, proclaiming the good news and healing people. He was a rabbi like no other. What an incredible place the Galilee is. In the Gospel of John, chapter 7, Yeshua preached in the temple um, at the Feast of Tabernacles. By the way, that is still coming up. Uh, and it'll be around September, October this year. The chief priests and the, and the Pharisees sent guards to arrest Yeshua. They returned, having not arrested him, and they, this is what they said in John chapter 7, verse uh, 46. No one ever spoke the way this man does, the guards declared. No one ever spoke the way Yeshua, our Messiah, spoke. He is our Jewish rabbi, our Messiah, the Son of God, the very Word of God made flesh. We are called to be his disciples, committed learners, followers, and agents of the kingdom of God. There's another thing I would like us to look at this morning about Yeshua, and we've just seen that he's a rabbi like no other. I would like us to look at Yeshua's form of holiness. We are to emulate him in every way. He is the focus of our faith. He is the one who defines our very existence. We are to be covered by his dust. If Yeshua defines our spirituality, then we should also allow him to define the very way we engage the world around us. I truly love Yeshua's form of holiness. Essentially, Hebraic, concrete, down to earth, embracing and attractive. Not the ascetic, uh, separatist, uh, or alienating form of holiness as espoused by Hellenism. Co-pilot, can you go back to that, uh, that map again? And then I need you to fast forward again. You know, it's, uh, this, this form of, of, of holiness that, that God calls us to, uh, what I've just said to you in terms of being separate uh, from, from the world is, is not what... God has in mind for us as his followers. If you have a look at uh, that map there, we as Jews have been good to, uh, 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 be, uh, uh, to, to live in an enclave, you know, so that we live um, where, uh, you know, we don't embrace fully everything around us. That's not the way that God had intended. God had intended us to be literally salt and light in the world. But, you know, this, this form of holiness, as we see, 
doesn't only affect Jewish people today, but the church itself. You know, we, we go into an enclave and um, then, uh, you know, we become insular and we become elitist. That's not God's way. Thank you, co-pilot, uh, going back again. You're doing great. Yeshua's kind of holiness made ordinary people, broken, sinful people, marginalized people, they loved to hang around him. You know, that's, that's, what, um, that's, that's how I was drawn to, to Jesus so many years ago. Because of that wonderful love. That wonderful love that's so all-embracing. He doesn't, he doesn't uh, accept you just when you're fixed up. <laughs> you know, he, he accepts you as you are. And God does, uh, he takes all the credit for that. So, you know, they, you can see all these people love to hang around him. They didn't feel condemned by him. I love this part of the Gospel of Matthew where he shares a bit of his personal testimony in Matthew chapter 9. Thank you. Verses 9 to 13, I'm going to read from the complete Jewish Bible again. As Yeshua passed on uh, from there, he spotted a tax collector named Metatiyahu sitting in his collection booth. Aren't they such special people? <laughs> Well, let me tell you, in those days in Israel, a tax collector, you know, my goodness, could get into a lot of trouble. Yeshua said to him, he said to him, follow me. Follow me. And he got up and followed him. While Yeshua was in the house eating, many tax collectors, <laughs> so not just one, Quite a few of them, yeah, they're all coming, coming around. Um, and sinners came and joined him and his Talmudim at the meal. When the Proshim, the Pharisees, uh, saw this, they said to his Talmudim, why does your rabbi eat with tax collectors and sinners? But Yeshua heard the question and answered, the ones who need a doctor, Aren't the healthy but the sick? As for you, <laughs> go and learn what this means. I want compassion rather than animal sacrifice. For I didn't come to call the righteous but sinners. The fact that Matthew was so ready to get up and follow Yeshua seemed to indicate that he had heard of Yeshua before. Perhaps he had encountered the Messiah several times before around the shores of the Galilee. But when Yeshua calls him, follow me, Matthew promptly abandons his career for his new calling as a disciple of Yeshua. An amazing turnaround. And it appears that when Matityahu hosts a thank you party at his house for uh, uh, all sorts of controversial guests, Yeshua is willing to hang out with all sorts of people that religious people abhor and avoid. 
in Hebraic spirituality, holiness is defined by what you do, not by what you don't do. As in a Hellenistic spirituality. Thus, in order to be holy, you don't have to remove yourself from the society around you, as practiced by the desert monks, and as you've seen, we Jews are pretty good at doing that. Rather, we as agents of the kingdom, disciples of our Rabbi Yeshua, we are called to engage with the community around us in a positive manner being both salt and light. That is what is truly called discipleship. In conclusion, let me say once again, we are called to be followers of our Messiah Yeshua, not just simply believers. Our churches are full of believers, but where are the followers? To be sure, Yeshua never called us to simply believe, but to follow him. In Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 to 20, we read in the NIV version, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Let me conclude by quoting um, a gentleman that I've come to know um, through my director, his brother, Alan Hirsch. He says of uh, the Great Commission, he says the following. He says, this commandment implies that the apostles are themselves disciples who are shown the way by the Lord Jesus himself. We have to understand this command then as a command for disciples to reproduce themselves through the discipling of others and who in turn do the same. It commits Jesus' people to con continue in the way of Jesus. And in regards to bringing the gospel to Jewish people, as I've been uh, sharing with you, Yeshua's family, let me say that Yeshua calls us to make disciples of all nations, including the Jewish people, my Jewish people need to hear and respond to the gospel. We need your prayers, your support, and your active involvement. Do not allow Jewish evangelism to become the great omission of the great commission. And Yeshua says, surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Disciples, everywhere and at all times in history, are promised Yeshua's personal presence with us as we go about the cause of his kingdom, bearing his authority as empowered agents uh, throughout the ages. 
I will end off just lastly with showing you this book. This is called a book that's written by Dr. Mitch Glazer, who is, um, uh, we, are, we are partnered with the Ministry of Chosen People Ministries, and he's the president of it. It's called Isaiah 53 Explained. I'm not sure when last you read Isaiah 53, but it's a truly beautiful passage of scripture in our Bibles. And it's so descriptive, and it's so such a wonderful picture of our Messiah, Yeshua. Last year, I took a group um, from Australia to Turkey and Israel. And uh, I had, uh, Turkey was, uh, I was doing Turkey because I wanted to find out more about the life of the Apostle Paul. After all, he was a good Jewish rabbi who was born in, Tur in Asia Minor, Turkey. And uh, in Istanbul, um, we went to a synagogue which we invited to go to on a Saturday morning. And um, I remember uh, I had a number of these books in my bag, uh, but in Hebrew. So I took them with me. And I entered through a steel door about that thick. And then um, everybody ca came with me and we the door was closed behind us and there was another door in front of us. And then that door was opened, so it was a, a vacuum, literally, it was a sealed, sealed um, room and that door also was that, that thick steel, concrete. And as I got into the synagogue, you know, um, it, uh, uh, it's a beautiful synagogue uh, right there in the heart of Istanbul called Neva Shalom. And uh, I sat down next to one of the gentlemen who was fluent in English and so forth and uh, I said, you know, thank you for having us here this morning. We, uh, we're really privileged to be here. But why is there such excess, excessive um, security here? And he said, well, 20 years ago, a Muslim extremist came into our synagogue and blew himself up. Do you see the wall over there? I said, yes, I do. And there's a huge um, part which has never been p um, fixed and a big hole. And... Um, 20 people lost their lives that day. I was so grateful that I had these books in my hand because I could then go on to give hope. And uh, I handed it to this gentleman. I said, please, would you read this? And I would love to know your opinion later on. Would you please give me your, your details? And he did. You know, um, since that time, there's been a 1,000 Jews who have left Turkey because they don't feel safe there anymore. Did you know there were Jews in Turkey? No? Oh, okay. <laughs> well, now you do, and you can pray for them, just as you can pray for the community here in Melbourne, the Jewish community here. And I was grateful that uh, God gave me the opportunity to do something, to do something. You know, he's already prepared the way long before you have got there. He's prepared the way for you to sh share a word, uh, a word in season. Do not hesitate. Do not hesitate when he calls upon you, friends. And may I say to you, shalom this morning, and may the Lord bless you uh, in every way, and thank you uh, for uh, listening to us. Thank you. Shalom. Shalom.